Welcome to Progress and Work. I'm your host, Patrick Figures, and today we are talking about the fiasco at Basecamp. Today's episode is a reading of a blog post originally published on May 2nd, 2021. If you're looking for leadership case studies on real-life situations, you're not really going to find many richer than what played out at Basecamp last week. And if you're not familiar, I would encourage you to read Jason Fried's announcement, one of the founders, and Casey Newton, a tech reporter, his article about the behind-the-scenes perspective. As of my writing this, the situation has continued to fracture, culminating last Friday with at least a third of Basecamp's employees accepting a buyout offer to leave the company. And aside from trying to imagine the experience of replacing one-third of your workforce overnight, I found myself reflecting on how the founders, Jason Freed and David Hannemeyer Hansen, approached the situation, the impact they thought it would have on the employees, and the larger question of how we as leaders should handle accountability with employees. And to be frank, I I don't really know how the situation is going to resolve itself, and I wouldn't want to guess. But however things turn out long-term, today... I believe there are lessons worth gleaning for anyone in leadership seeking to learn from outside events. Specifically, what I'm focusing on is how we as leaders should think about changes that we try to make to company culture, employee pushback that we get often from trying to make those changes, and keeping harmony in our workplaces. First, distractions. In his public post about the company's changes, Freed asserted how distracting political discussions could be when they became a normal part of workplace dialogue. And he's not wrong. No one wants to feel bombarded by divisive debates at work. However, it doesn't appear that Basecamp had a problem with contentious current events discussions at work, or certainly not to the level of inviting a sweeping new policy change. In this instance, the only people distracted by the light seasoning of social commentary seemed to be Freed and Hansen, the founders. In turn, their response actually escalated the very distraction they claimed to be circumventing and introduced additional tension into their workplace. Should we as leaders be careful about engaging in controversial discussions in the workplace? Yes. Should we enact new policies that many of our employees consider draconian and excessive in response to relatively timid steps towards social initiatives? Who knows? As leaders, it's important that we don't respond with 10 pounds of force when we feel one pound of pressure. If you see one ant, you don't fumigate your entire house. If we responded to one incident of employees showing inappropriate affection by banning all physical contact between employees, we become the ones introducing these major distractions into our workplaces. What might be the best way to address a situation where you're worried about things getting too political at work? Maybe a couple of conversations with the core contributors, maybe an open discussion about what seems to be going on. But before resorting to the most extreme response to one of these situations, be sure you have a good read on whether or not you actually have a problem that requires a policy change. Secondly, accountability. One of the most valuable traits in any employee is their willingness to tell you you're wrong. Yes, they should do so tactfully and in the right setting, but you are always better off surrounded by people who care enough about you and the company to step in when they think you're making mistakes. And this dynamic is hard for many leaders. Yes, we want to be told when we're messing up, But it is difficult to be told directly and can feel like an attack. It can feel like employee insubordination in certain instances. This puts you at a crossroads. 
Do you as the leader own up to the mistakes that you've made and take this chance for self-reflection? Or do you take the easier path of doubling down, getting defensive, and bristling at being challenged by your employee? Amongst all the difficult things coming to light from base camp, the thing that made me cringe the most was how Hansen, again, one of the founders, handled a challenge from an employee regarding taking accountability for a company circulated list of funny customer names. This excerpt from Casey Newton's article. Hansen's response to this employee took aback many of the workers I spoke with. He dug through old chat logs to find a time when the employee in question participated in a discussion about a customer with a funny sounding name. Hansen posted the message, visible to the entire company, and dismissed the substance of the employee's complaint. Being in a higher position in the organizational chart does not give you a free pass on bad behaviors, despite all the disappointing evidence around the country to the contrary. In whatever ways you're modeling holding others accountable, you should not be surprised if your team opts to hold you to the same standard. One of the few things employees at small companies have to rely on is that the senior leaders will put appropriate checks on themselves. No one can fire the founders and there's no one to complain to if they're jerks. So these employees, above all else, depend on your ability to keep yourself in check and to show a willingness to take accountability and grace under pressure. And if you lose that trust, it is almost impossible to earn it back. Keeping the peace. I'm a big believer in the stakeholder theory of leadership, which I'll link to in the podcast notes. I appreciate the idea that one of our core jobs as leaders is as keepers of the peace. If you want a healthy, happy workplace, you have to find harmony between your various stakeholders, employees, managers, executives, customers, vendors, all of these stakeholders serving as part of an ecosystem that requires balance. In today's challenging world, some employees are choosing to advocate that society as a whole should also be a stakeholder in our model, that certain companies are meant to stand for something larger. And when there are pains in society and injustices that capture the public's attention, it is natural for these employees to seek opportunities for their place of work to help counteract these societal imbalances. Regardless of whether you agree or disagree with your employees, if enough of them choose to advocate for changes in your company culture, you are going to have a problem if you do not come up with an appropriate response to their concerns. And we've talked about this before with the Black Lives Matter and other social movements. These are not moments where you need to agree or disagree. That is a trap for you as the leader. This is not a time for you to espouse your personal feelings. It is not about you. It is not about your endorsement or your opinion. It is about your willingness to give the floor to the people that are upset and hurting in your organization and to the people that want to find a way for the organization to do better, something that we can all admire. If one of your stakeholder groups is out of balance, your responsibility in that moment is to seek to bring them back into balance, not to cast judgment on how they choose to react to feeling off-footed. Too many leaders every day completely miss the point in situations like this and think that silence 
is compliance. And that is what Freed and Hansen opted for. If we silence these people, then we won't have these problems. What they also did by opting for silence is they invalidated the concerns of the people who cared enough about the organization to advocate for change. Leaders always get the organizations they deserve. Freed and Hansen have been outspoken in what they feel is right versus wrong and how businesses are run. They have published multiple books, spoken publicly, and have a company-sponsored podcast about rethinking how organizations function. They have tacitly endorsed the idea of thinking differently about how organizations try to relate to the larger world around them. In turn, they have attracted the sorts of employees to their company who believe them and what they are saying, who are interested in being part of a movement around thinking differently about what it means to work at a company that is a flag bearer for certain ideas and values. It should not have surprised these two founders that some of their employees might have had ideas and perspectives that would challenge them, that would push them to be more reflective and engage with their employees more directly about topics around progressing the way we think about work and our professional environments and how it fits into the larger society as a whole. As leaders, it is so easy to blur the line between what is best for us personally and what is best for our team collectively. This comes to a head when the team brings you ideas or suggestions that challenge your comfort and feeling of mental or emotional safety. And it is these very moments that ask you to evolve as a leader and continuously earn the trust and benefit of the doubt from your employees. People choose to be led by their leaders. And the moment we stop working to earn their loyalty and earn their faith in our vision and in the values we espouse, we should never be surprised if they choose to be led by someone else. Good luck out there.